Tuning in to the 407th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, I thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iRadio, SoundCloud, Pandora, Elevation Sports Radio in Denver, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via, being recorded from Buffalo, New York, per usual. Gonna have a first time guest on JD. Uh, if you guys are listening to this, this means that JD didn't do a really awful job. And we could go with the audio because I'll tell you, folks, I'll tell you how the sauce is made when we do this and we have interviews. There are some interviews that you guys have never seen the light of day because they've just been, quite frankly, that bad. People have said stuff that I just can't put on here, right? We have to protect the brand. That's what everybody talks about now. So everybody's so brand conscious. I have to protect the brand. So the fact that JD made it on, right? That means JD did a good job. He protected the brand and we can have him on again and again, right? JD, props to you. That means you did a good job, bud. Now, before we get to the conversation with JD, we're going to talk college sports, March Madness going on, uh, maybe get into some NFL. I know he's a Bills fan, so we can talk about some of the signings that the Bills made as well. But before we get to all that, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you use Spotify, I have everything timestamped. You can click on the timestamp and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. Folks, it's for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at nitrate underscore lane. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane and you will find it. I post three to five minute clips of this podcast right here as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then don't worry. Just don't say anything because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And now I want to get into my monologues that my good friend Kenny Sims, scouting expert for 247 Sports, loves so much. So the first thing, Sean Watson obviously traded from the Houston Texans to the Cleveland Browns. This was a major story in the NFL and the sports world. Uh, in the Cleveland market, a Cleveland area, right? I went to school in Cleveland, John Carroll University. I understand how life must suck to be a Browns fan because also I've been there as a Bills fan when it's like your team hasn't been good for ever since you were born and then they finally make the playoffs and like, yay! And then there's that little dip, right? The Bills made the playoffs one year with Tyra, then they're bad, and they get Josh Allen, and they've been up and up and up ever since. The Bakers, they're bad. Uh, Baker and that one team, they have that run that gets the uh, divisional round. They lose the Chiefs, right? Then they have a bad year this past year. Uh, they get Deshaun Watson, who's probably the best quarterback Cleveland's ever had in their history the last 30 years or so, easily, right? I mean, you think Cleveland Browns quarterbacks that come to mind, Bernie Kozart, Deshaun Watson's more talented than Bernie Kozart. Bernie Kozart was never recognized as a top five QB in the league. That was never going on. So Deshaun Watson is the most talented guy they've ever had. Before we talk about, because I think it'd be inappropriate to discuss what this means without talking about, you know, the bad of Deshaun Watson. But first, I'm going to start with the football. Because the football is why Deshaun is a Cleveland Brown right now. He's easily a top 10 QB in the NFL. Probably top five. Deshaun, as a player, he's clutch, calm under pressure, accurate, poised, athletic QB. He is a tier one guy. He covers up the weaknesses for an offense. The Cleveland Browns are now here to the party. They're here with the Bills and Chiefs and Bengals. Whatever AFC tier you want to name it, they're in it. I was not a big fan of the Russell Wilson trade. I think the Denver Broncos are slightly underrated. I think right now the Denver Broncos is a Bills fan right now. I'd be scared. Bills fans, you should be scared of Dem- of Cleveland. Excuse me, Cleveland. You should be scared of Cleveland. They have guys who can rush the passer. Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney. They're gonna, they brought in Chase Winovich from New England. They have linebackers who can run like J- Jeremiah Wusakoromoa. Uh, they have corners like Denzel Ward. They're going to have a receiver in Amari Cooper. They have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They have a running game that features Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Deshaun Watson, arguably a top-five quarterback in the NFL. They're going to be able to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs and Bills and the Bengals. Best believe that. But here's the interesting thing, and I wonder this. Uh, how much should you be concerned about Deshaun off the field? And I know people might say, oh, Daryl, 
He was exonerated, innocent, innocent, proven guilty of what goes on in the country. And that's fine. And I'm not a legal expert. I don't know the minutia. And quite frankly, I don't think a lot of people listen to me because I think I know a lot about law and all this other stuff that's not to do with sports. But I'm just going to do the best I can to put this in a perspective that maybe if you think about it, this a little bit differently. Uh, here's my big concern. So here's what we do know. 20 or so women alleged sexual assault, sexual allegations against Deshaun Watson. He had like 40-something random massages from random women. He's flying women out. They're all women, keyword key in bold, all women, no men. He's a heterosexual male. Uh, he found them, most of them, on Instagram. And I believe his lawyer admitted that some of the encounters were consensual sexual activities. It just wasn't that he forced unwanted sexual activities upon these women. It was more of was it consent or not than if it happened or not. Uh, so... Even though Deshaun Watson, in the eye of the law, was found innocent. I, and I'm not going to pretend that a lot of people don't like the legal system in America. That's a whole other thing. I don't want to get into that. Here's what I will say, though. Whether you think Deshaun is innocent or guilty, how it looks. At the very least, all of this is, on Deshaun's part, it makes him seem creepy. Like that dude you're looking at, he keeps talking to the girl, and he makes her uncomfortable at the club. All the guys out there listening, you know that guy who makes kind of girls feel uncomfortable, and you're like, bruh. Chill out. He might be that guy. Or, you know, there might be a little bit of predatory behavior going on. Because it's still weird that you need 40 different massages from 40 random women and you wanted to see what they look like. And some of it was consensual, some of it was not. You were flying them across. Just seems very weird and very odd. Right? Maybe there's, you know, no harm done, but it seems very odd, and maybe there's an issue, right, an underlying issue that Deshaun needs to address. I wouldn't be qualified to diagnose that. I'm just saying from the outside looking in as I'm reading this, right? That's just my opinion on the matter. At the very least, just a tad creepy. I think we could all admit that. So let me ask you this. Are we sure Deshaun's never going to do anything this stupid and this weird, this creepy again? Because he's already done it. And you might say, oh, Daryl, Deshaun's not that stupid. And I would tell you, well, he got 40 different massages from 40 different random women. So he's already done things that are stupid and creepy and don't make sense. So let's not act like, oh, Deshaun completely knows what he's doing and does all the right things. Are we sure that Deshaun, this behavior will never pop up again? Because typically, and I, and I thought about this. When somebody has an issue like this, like even let's say it's an addiction, right? When people have certain addictions, certain urges, unless you get help, typically they don't stop. Even if we're going to say he didn't do anything illegal, clearly I think we can recognize maybe he has some stuff going on. Counseling, talking to people, is that stuff going on? That's what I wonder. I also wonder if the Browns have protected themselves in the language of the contract as to, and even with the picks that they gave up from Houston, like, okay, does if he gets in trouble again, do we get a pick back? How does all that work? Is there any protection for Cleveland? Because you basically gave the keys to a franchise to a guy that was arguably doing predatory behavior, and some people think he is. I don't know whether he was or wasn't. I wasn't in the massage rooms. I'm just going to say from the outside looking in, looks a little odd. Still looks a little odd. Just my point. Just something else for people to think about. I know they got Deshaun, but that doesn't mean you're out of the woods yet with this. And you know what? When somebody does something stupid once, they're liable to do it again. <laughs> right? And he did it 40 different times. He did it 40 different times. 40 different times he made the conscious decision to do something weird. That he probably himself could admit, yeah, bruh, I, I was being a little bit weird here. So... Will he do it again? I don't know. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, next, I want to get to this. NFL free agency. NFL trades and whatnot. Uh, just some of the trades and moves that I liked the most during this whole process. And the signings. Number one, Juju Smith-Schuster. He signed with the Chiefs. This The Chiefs, the, they get richer and richer on offense with their receiving corps. So, Tyreek Hill. In my opinion, the top two wide receiver in the NFL, along with Jamar Chase. Uh, you have McCole Hardman, one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL. Travis Kelsey, probably the best tight end in the NFL. Then you get Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster was overrated in Pittsburgh, where he had to be a number one after Antonio Brown left and went, you know, flew the cuckoo's nest, right? But if you put Juju as your third weapon on offense, because Tyree kills your one, Travis Kelsey's your two, or Travis Kelsey's your one and Tyree kills your two, whichever one, right? But your three is Juju. And he's drawing the third 
corner, the second corner sometimes, and then the fourth, fifth corner is getting a guy like McCole Hardman? That's an issue. Because most fourth and fifth corners can't cover guys like McCole Hardman who have 4-3 speed. And also, the underrated thing about Juju is he's also he's a good blocker. You can use him for wide receiver screens. You get a wide receiver screen to Tyree Kill out on the outside. Juju can block a corner and lay him out. Same with him. You get McCole Hardman out in space. Juju can block a guy and lay him out. You can put Juju in the slot. He's a very good route runner. Uh, he can work the middle of the field, be a possession wide receiver. What do we always talk about with the Chiefs? This is something me and Kenny talked a lot during the NFL season. The Chiefs offense is built on big plays. They don't, they're not patient. They always want it fast here, 20-yard bomb, 40-yard bomb, right? They're not really 5-yard pass, 7-yard pass, 10-yard pass. Remember New England, the Patriots with Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, Grob Gronkowski. They always work the middle of the field. Death by a thousand paper cuts, methodical. That's kind of that part of the offense that Chiefs still need to consistently have. And Juju allows them to have that. They have that possession wide receiver who can really run good routes and work the middle of the field. So I think this is dangerous. Uh, and this makes the Chiefs that much better. Uh, next, J.C. Jackson going to the Chargers. J.C. Jackson, one of the most underrated players in the NFL, uh, was one of the league leaders in interceptions this year. Smart player, can play man, can play zone. Uh, he's going to be phenomenal for the Chargers, even just in terms of leadership, having a guy who's won Super Bowls, who's played in big playoff games, who kind of, you know, knows his way way around things, understand how things are done in this league. I think he's going to be a big addition for the Chargers, and you're going to need guys to collect him to cover because you're going to have elite QBs in this division in the AFC uh, West with Russell Wilson, who is a Hall of Famer. You got Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, and you also have Derek Carr, who, in my opinion, is was a t the 10th best quarterback in the NFL this past year. Uh, Devontae Adams, uh, Hunter Renfro, you have a Jerry Judy. You have all these receivers. Uh, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith, like I just said. You're going to need a guy in J.C. Jackson who can cover and who can cover well. So I think that's going to be a big addition for the Chargers who are trying to make a push too in the AFC in this arms race. They're trying to compete with the Chiefs up there at the top of the division. Uh, and by the way, AFC West, it is going to be so tough. That division is going to be hell on earth, man. It's going to be really fun to watch. Uh... Carson Wentz to the Washington football team. Carson Wentz is like one of the most underrated QBs in the NFL. I know his last year with the Eagles wasn't that good. He got benched for Jalen Hurts. was a turnover machine. This past year, I think he was like 27 touchdowns, like eight interceptions, something like that. He was in my QB rankings. He ended up finishing like top 15 for sure around that 13, 14, I think maybe even 12 range where he was like the high end of all the above average QBs just giving you above average play with some elite play in some games. Really did a better job of not turning the football over. A lot of people don't like Carson Wentz. I don't know why. You can get a lot worse than Carson Wentz. The Colts, they got rid of him. I don't know who you're going to find that's better than him. I know his last game against the Jaguars at the, at the end of the season when they lost against the Jags, right? Wasn't good because we know the crap show that Jacksonville was, but Carson's a good guy, and Washington has a good roster, so don't be surprised if the Washington football team, excuse me, the Washington Commanders now, uh, compete for a playoff berth, compete for a division title with the Cowboys. I think they're that good, and I think Carson Wentz is going to be that solid. Next, Allen Robinson, former Chicago Bears wide receiver, is going to the LA Rams. I know he didn't have that great of a year last year. Justin Fields, dealing with Justin Fields, a rookie QB. Matt Nagy's offense is uninspiring, but he's going to be in LA. Nice weather. You know McVay, one of the best offensive minds in all football, is going to air it out with Matthew Stafford. Cooper Cup's going to be drawing the double teams the number one attention. Allen Robinson, he was the number one wide receiver in Chicago. He's going to get a chance to be the number two. Not draw as many uh, double teams, as many of the number one wide receivers. So I think he's going to be really good. And this is going to be a really good pickup for the Rams. And this is a guy that was giving you, like, top 15 wide receiver production. So I think with, with the Bears, with bad QB play, so... He should be pretty good with the Bears. And the other pick, the lastly, the last guy I have on here for my list of a kind of underrated free agent and uh, signings and trades, Miles Jack going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know why Miles Jack was waived by the Jaguars. Makes no sense. Still super athletic. I remember when he was playing running back at UCLA. Can fly, can move, can tackle, uh, can play in space, can cover. Uh, 
He's going to be really good for the Steelers, and the Steelers are my top. They're going to get really good production out of him. So the Steelers, again, they're going to have one of the best top seven defenses in the NFL, and they're going to be right in the thick of things. We know the bare minimum, the floor for a Mike Tomlin coach football team is eight to nine wins. You can book it, and they're probably going to get a playoff berth, folks. So Miles Jack is going to help aid that endeavor. That's all we have. So kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to have JD on the show. We're going to talk some college basketball and some other stuff. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a first ever guest with us, JD. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good today, you know. Excited. Great weekend of college basketball. Very so, good. I'm happy to be on the show and ready to talk some college basketball. So first, let's get to this. Obviously, there's been a lot of upsets this weekend. Well, first, I want to get to you this. Uh, who was in your Final Four bracket? My final four was Iowa, Baylor, Villanova, and Texas Tech. Two of which teams are already out. Iowa was a first round exit, and Baylor lost to UNC. Been a tough weekend for my bracket, to say the least. Why was that your final four? Um, I really like Baylor. I thought they had an easy path. I didn't think UNC was as good as they looked. I thought UCLA was, wasn't was good. The only team I thought would give them trouble was Kentucky, but they were also a first-round exit. I had Virginia Tech claim them in the Elite Eight, who was also a first-round exit. So a lot of teams I had going pretty far were first-round exits. I had Virginia Tech going pretty far because I watched the ACC tournament. I saw they beat Duke. They were on a pretty good run, and then they go play Texas and get smoked by... I think they were down like 15 and hit some points at the end, but they, they had no chance in that game. And the upsets I did pick to win, like I picked South Dakota over Providence, and Providence won that, and not only that, they smoked Richmond. Like uh, the upsets I picked just didn't work out, along with Vermont over Arkansas. Arkansas wins again. They're in the Sweet 16. You know, a lot of bad picks for upsets during this March Madness. It's been a crazy time. Yeah, uh, I kind of got burned with Virginia Tech, and I did like three or four brackets. In one of my brackets, I had Virginia Tech making it to the Final Four because I was like, okay, they can kind of be that pseudo-Cinderella, you know, higher seed. Uh, They won the ACC tournament, right, with Duke uh, and all those schools, North Carolina, so you know they're kind of battle-tested, and they flop out and just get obliterated by Techs in the first round. I'm like, crap, this isn't what I was hoping for, and it just messed up everything. Yep. That's exactly what happened to me. Uh, it was, it was, it's, it's crazy. Like that's why they call it March Madness. You know, a lot of teams you don't see. You know, you always try to pick the upsets, but the upsets kind of just happen themselves. You know, no one had St. Peter's beating Kentucky, and it happened. Now they're in the Sweet Sixteen. Like the upsets you pick aren't really upsets. Like I don't know. Like I had Yale beating Purdue as well. You know, a lot of people say the Big Ten is the worst Power Six conference. Because they look good all year, they go into the tournament and get smoked by lower seeds, just as you saw this year. You know, I only think there's one or two Big Ten teams left. You know, Purdue is still playing right now, but only one team, I believe, made it from the Big Ten to the Sweet 16. You know, if Purdue doesn't hold on, which they are down by one right now. You know, there's not there's not a single Big Ten team in the Sweet 16 right now, and I believe eight made it to the tournament. They've all lost. Well, why do you think? What do you think the reason for the Big Ten's lack of success is for in basketball? They don't have shooters. You know, Iowa, the team that was supposed to shoot the best. You know, they I believe they hit like thirteen threes in the Big Big Ten championship. They couldn't shoot against Richmond. Richmond played a uh, man, or they forced them to go into the paint, and Iowa just couldn't hang in the paint. I was watching the Wisconsin game. They scored forty nine points against eleven seeded Iowa State. They just they try to take it in the paint. 
Iowa State gave him a three ball, and they couldn't shoot the three ball. Johnny Davis, you know, he just kept going in the paint, getting blocked. There was like three people down there getting double teamed every play. It just, it wasn't good for the Big Ten during the tournament because of their style of play. You know, they look good on against each other. They beat up on each other all year. Everyone thinks they're good. And the only team that's made it so far is Michigan, who I don't even think deserve to be in the tournament, to be completely honest with you. 17-14 and 14 in a regular season, that's barely even good enough to make it to the NIT. I was very surprised they got in. And now that they're in the Sweet 16, I'm, I'm pulling for them to win it all, but I really don't see that happening. The, the only reason their style of play works is because they have such a big center. And Hunter Dickinson, he's I think he's 7'3". He just shoots hook shots over everybody. You know, they don't really need to have a really good offense, really good game plan when you have a 7'3 center that can just shoot over everyone in the paint. Wasn't Michigan like the fifth best team in the Big Ten this year? I, I think they were even worse. I think they were seventh or eighth. They're one of the last teams to make it. I don't, the only team I think was worse that made it was Indiana. Indiana had a playing game at the 12 seed. And uh, they beat Wyoming in the playing game and then got smoked by St. Mary's by 30. Which just showed that they weren't... The, the Big Ten just wasn't ready for this tournament this year. What do you think has been the key for Coach Juwan Howard getting his guys and getting them to the Sweet 16 and then making this kind of run? I, I really think that they, they've just been more aggressive over the tournament, you know. The first half of the Colorado State-Michigan game, Michigan wasn't putting up good... They weren't taking any risks. They weren't aggressive on defense. And Colorado State was up 15 and a half. And Michigan just battled back, you know. They're a young... They're a very young team. They're not really battle-tested. I mean, they did beat a pretty good Illinois team, but they lost to a lot of the higher-ranked teams in the Big Ten, such as Purdue, Michigan State, Wisconsin. We're all out now. I just think Jawan Howard especially after his punch on the Wisconsin assistant coach, really rallied his guys together. That It's almost like a fight in hockey, when if you're losing, you get into a fight. And, you know, it kind of it's just a big, big thing, like big climax that rallies everyone up for the rest of the season. And I honestly, I know it sounds crazy, the punch almost helped Michigan, you know, rally back and get back into it. They haven't lost since that. They didn't lose in the regular season after that game. And now they finished 17 and 14. At the time of the punch, they were, I believe, 13 and 14. So, I mean, that may sound crazy to some of you, but the punch almost helped, in, in my opinion. <laughs> it rallied the team together. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. I also think the young guys are really excited. They're more excited to be in the tournament. And sometimes that could be a team's downfall if they're too young. But with this Michigan team, they're they're young, they're inexperienced, but they're not making stupid decisions. They're not having a lot of turnovers, you know. They're, they're, they're playing good basketball right now. You know, they're doing what they have. They're not a flashy team. They do what they have to do to get it done. Like a lot of Big Ten teams. But during the tournament, the Big Ten teams just don't get it done most of the time. So you're a Wisconsin guy. Uh, what did you think of that whole ordeal with Michigan and Wisconsin and Jawan Howard and the whole, you know? I was, I, at first, I was upset. You know, I watched it live. Uh, I thought Wisconsin Oh, well, you watched it live. So I want you to give this to me in real time. What are you thinking as this going? Is this going on? For those of you who don't know, uh, they're trying to press at the end, and they call a timeout, and then Juwan Howard ends up smacking somebody. But just give me, like, from your point of view of the big game, like kind of your play-by-play and what's going on in your mind as all of this is unfolding. So uh, I was actually watching the game with my grandmother, who's a big Wisconsin fan. She's from Madison, so she's a huge Wisconsin basketball and football fan, which is the reason why I'm such a big Wisconsin fan. So I, I thought the game was over. I think they were like up 15. It was out of hand. And it got kind of chippy towards the end, as most Big Ten rivalries get. And um, it goes to commercial break, and the game comes back on. It's over, you know. I wasn't really going to watch the post game. I just kind of had it on. And I just see Jawan Howard punch, uh, I forget his name, but one of the assistant co- head coaches for Wisconsin. And I wasn't angry, but I just thought it was totally classless that Jawan Howard would do that, you know. I understand that they had a very rough regular season. He was taking his anger out, and he was mad about uh, the pressing, and I think it was he's supposed to call a foul that he got mad about, and they were arguing about that. But I thought it was totally unclassless, and I thought he would get fired for it. I thought Michigan's season was completely over. I didn't even think they – I didn't think they'd even get to the NIT, let alone the actual tournament. So, you know, I was pissed about it, but I also – I wasn't as mad because 
it's not it's not like a player getting punched or like it wasn't like a it's hard to explain it's not the same as like a player fight or like it was just odd that a coach would strike another coach very unprofessional by Jawan Howard but it is what it is now <laughs> Are you aware of the, uh, you might be a little bit too young to remember this, but uh, the Ron Artest going in the stands? No, I, I don't know. Who is, who, what is that? So, uh, look up Malice in the Palace one of these days. Uh, Ron Artest, he was a former basketball player. When he played for the Indiana Pacers, they were in Detroit, and a fan like spilled beer on him, so he went to the stands and he like cold-cocked a fan in the face. Really? That is, that's actually crazy. <laughs> yeah. It happened, like, in 2004. I've seen some stuff like that happen uh, around my day. Um, I remember Derek Jeter hit a home run versus Baltimore Orioles in the playoffs, and a fan, like, reached over to catch it, and the left and the right fielder for the Baltimore Orioles started, like, spazzing out on this fan in the stands. So, like, it was like a young kid who reached over to catch it, but ultimately cost the Orioles the playoff game. Um, there's been a lot of instances I remember I can remember when the Toronto Blue Jays actually Batista hit like the three run home run but before that they like, threw I be, I think I forget what team it was but they threw at one of the Blue Jays players and the fans were riding throwing like food and beer cans at the other at opposing team's players like it was something crazy that I've never seen before especially in a baseball game so you're a Big Ten guy so did you get to see Michigan State versus Duke I did watch some of it. I watched the first half before uh, the Wisconsin-Iowa State game came on. Since I'm a Wisconsin fan, I watched that game. What were your thoughts of just that and Thomas? Though? I thought it was uh, terrible coaching. From I didn't watch the end, but it was a 20. I believe Duke went on a 20 to 0 run at the end of the game. Like that's just terrible coaching, in my opinion. I mean, if you can't get your guys together after like a seven, you're up. They were up by 11 with, I think, like five minutes to go. And Duke just totally obliterated them, 20-0 run. I mean, I understand probably Duke was really uh, – had a lot of energy because it's Coach K's last year, and they don't want to go out in the round of 32. But, I mean, Tom Izzo's got to bring his guys together there and stop that 20-0 run. I think that's just terrible coaching. But uh, just it's just crazy, a 20-0 run. Like you don't you don't see that a lot now in college basketball. I mean, I've seen a couple, but nothing like that in a round of thirty-two game when your season's on the line. You got to get your guys together. Yeah, that was a little shocking too. Uh, do you think Tom Izzo's overrated? I don't think he's overrated. I, I think Michigan State's pretty good. They've always been they've always been good. He consistently gets them back in the tournament. You know, they they don't always have the best talent going to Michigan State. But he consistently gets them in the tournament, you know, high seeds. Not not always top three seeds, but pretty high seeds. I, I don't think he's overrated. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. I don't think he's like Coach K. Um, um, what's his name? The coach from UNC. Roy Williams. Coach. You're talking about Roy Williams? I don't think he's one of those coaches. But I think he's a good coach. He's a solid coach. He's not a great, though. So you wouldn't. So you're not putting him in the ilk of those guys, like those tier one guys. But you put him yeah. on the next level. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I put him on the next level. You know, I'd say he's around Jim Beheim level, maybe a little bit worse. How shocking was the uh, St. Peter's win? The fact that they're in the Sweet Sixteen. How shocking is that to you? It's, it's shocking, but at the same time, the type of basketball they play. It's something a lot of teams don't see during the regular season. A lot they have a very their offense is mediocre at best, but their defense is very tough. They play tough defense. They're tough kids down there, and they had nothing to lose. And they came into that game and played their hearts out. And honestly, I they were the better team on that day. It wasn't Kentucky's mistakes. Kentucky might have not shown up, but St. Peter's won that game. It wasn't a lack of effort on Kentucky's part. And um, to beat Murray State was it was a good game. I watched that myself too. They were trading buckets, trading lead changes back and forth the whole game, and they just pulled it out in the end because that tough defense wears teams down, especially getting pressed up on. You know they have the depth. You know someone goes down, someone's tired. The next guy steps up. They can press. They can play that tough defense the whole game without getting tired. Instead of just having a starting five out there who gets tired from pressing after ten minutes, 
chance, you know, you have a lot of depth, you can have your guys in there pressing the whole game, forcing the other team to make mistakes, you know, it's, it's, a, it's actually a very big part of basketball, it's not all just about the flashy big threes and dunks, you know, you need to, if you have tough defense and a lot of depth, you can make a lot of good things happen in basketball. Do you think they actually have a chance to make a Final Four? Um, How far I, can this Cinderella go? I do think they have a chance. I think definitely they have a chance for an Elite Eight. I think it's either going to be Purdue or Texas. Purdue's up five right now on Texas. And Purdue, I feel like, is very overrated. You know, They beat Yale, which I didn't think they'd win because I thought they were overrated. But, I mean, beating Texas right now is pretty good. But I, I don't think Texas is that great either, you know. It's not like it's uh, Gonzaga or Baylor or um, Arkansas that they have to play. They 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 have to be uh, Purdue or Texas next week, which I think are very doable. You know, if they keep playing that tough defense, you know, wear teams down. I think they could definitely win that game. I don't see them getting past UNC though. If UNC beats UCLA, I don't see them getting past UNC. I think UNC will make a Final Four run in the East uh, in the East bracket. What's been some of your favorite games so far? Oh, my favorite game? It's definitely got to be New Mexico State, Connecticut. Teddy Buckets dropping like 32 in Buffalo, you know, my home city. I couldn't go to the game, but it was a great game to watch. You know, he was a little cocky, showboating. But, I mean, he dropped like 35 points against the number five seed. Going cr- Like, that's just a beautiful story to tell. Like, I know they lost to Arkansas day later but it was a great game i also loved illinois chad chattanooga you know chattanooga had to lead the whole time and i had them winning because i did think the big 10 was a little overrated and uh you know illinois battled back they came back in the end and pulled it off by one it was a crazy game but there's been a lot of great games on let me think uh there's there's been a couple other great games that i watched let me see. Oh, Murray State, San Francisco was a great game going into overtime. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched it towards the end, and it was just, it was a great game. You know, they kept going. Michigan State, Davidson, a one-point finish. Michigan State, I thought that, I thought Davidson was upset on my pick, Davidson in my bracket, and Michigan State pulled it out in the last minute. But there's been a lot of great games, a lot of great basketball. Last night, watching Gonzaga versus Memphis, I thought Memphis was going to pull it out at the end. They played a great game. Uh, Imani Bates is definitely for real. He had a lot of struggles on. He had a lot of struggles going through the season. You know, he wasn't with the team the whole time. You know, because when you're in high school and you're the man, it's tough to come to college and not be the best player. But I think he's finally learning. He's spilling the shoes. And he's going to be a great player for Memphis for years to come if he doesn't go to the NBA, which I don't think he would this year because he wouldn't be a top-tier pick. But he will be a great basketball player for the years to come. Since you're a Wisconsin fan, I have to ask you this. Do you remember the uh, upset over Duke with the Kaminsky and Decker? With Kaminsky and Decker? Oh, they, they, they didn't upset Duke. They lost to him in the next No, you are right. You are right. You are right. They didn't upset Duke. Yes, but I, I remember that game like it was yesterday. No, I, excuse me. They upset Kentucky. They upset Kentucky. I do remember that game. In the final four, yes. Nah, Duke. They lo- that was Julie local for. They lost to Duke in the championship, but they upset Kentucky in the final four. That undefeated Kentucky team with Carl Anthony Towns, the Harrison Twins, and Devin Booker. I do remember that. I was actually, uh, I was watching with my whole family. Frank Kaminsky was such a great, he was he was just a big guy in the paint. That's, that's Big Ten basketball right there. You know, he wasn't flashy. He was doing post moves in the paint. Getting things done, you know, creating opportunities for other players, you know. They would double-team him, and he'd either kick it out to Decker. Decker could shoot. He was a great player. And uh, I remember that one. I was pretty young. I believe I was in fourth grade during that time. But I do remember enjoying Wisconsin basketball. And that's the last time they were really a great team. But Wisconsin basketball historically has been very bad. And that was really the first big run Wisconsin ever had. And it was just a great time to be a Badgers fan. Yeah, I remember that run. I was... I was in high school. I, I remember when that went down. That was crazy. That was a long time ago. Uh, they, got, they got cheated in the in the national championship. I, I can't remember what happened, but I believe I think I was I was really upset about something happening in the championship. Like I thought they should have won. It came down on the wire. Uh, let me let me remember. They uh 
they missed like a goal pending, I believe. Um, yeah, something suspect that went went on during that game. Yeah, uh, oh, the ball went out, and they and they didn't review it. They said it was out on Sam Decker, but it was out on one of Duke's players, and uh, it was it was a really big thing because they only lost by seven, and like three of those points were free throws, so it really came down to the wire. Yeah, it was a, it was upsetting, especially for a Wisconsin fan. What have been some of your favorite Final Four runs? Final Four runs. Loyola Chicago in 2018 was definitely one of my Final Four runs. I remember watching their games. Every game came down to the wire. Like, I believe the first three rounds, they hit buzzer beaters to win the game. Or at least in the first two. And the third, it came down like the last minute. Uh, some other big Final Four runs I remember was UCLA last year. They were in the 11th seed, I think, and they went on a great run. Yeah, they were in the first four-in tournament. Little, That was a great run. You know, I didn't watch much of the tournament last year, but I do remember that run. I remember Michigan's run in 2017 with the big German the big German center who uh, took them all the way to the national championship, and they lost to Villanova, I think. I think that was the year they lost to Villanova when... Um, Dante DiVincenzo hit the buzzer beater to win to win the national championship, which that was one of the best national championships I've ever watched in any sport. Okay, so we got a couple of really good Final Four runs. Yeah. So if, um, Saint, if Saint Peter's makes it to the Final Four, that would be up there for you. Yeah, that would definitely be a historical run. VCU, uh, when they were in eleven seed, they had the play-in game and they made it all the way to the Final Four. You know, another classic run from uh, Western New York when St. Bonaventure went all the way to the Final Four. I think they went to the National Championship, actually. Uh, my family, we're, we're, all, we're also big uh, Bonnies fans, you know. My dad in particular, he, he always talked about the Bonnies National Championship run. Who's your favorite Wisconsin player? Oh, Johnny Davis for sure. He's, uh, he's just a spectacular athlete. You know, he can shoot. He makes he, today he dribbled through two defenders and went down in the paint and hit an and one shot. Like it was he's just a beautiful athlete. He plays hard on defense. He's just a very humble guy. Last year as a freshman, he wasn't in the starting five, but he averaged like five points per game. And this year he's Big Ten player of the year. He's making plays on defense. He's he's rebounding. He does he does it all really. He's just a hard worker who really wants to win. Which is that's Big Ten type basketball, you know. It's not it's not very flashy, but that's Wisconsin for you. So I want you to do this for me. Give me some of the best Big Ten rivalries. Oh, Big Ten rivalries. And um, well, obviously the best rival rivalry in Big Ten is Michigan Ohio State, but that's football. Uh, they're not as big rivalries in basketball, but. They're pretty big. Um, Michigan, Michigan State's always a classic rivalry. There's not, there's not. I'm, I'm, I'm not as positive about much basketball rivalry. Oh, we can go to football then. Let's go to football rivalries in the Big oh, Ten. Football rivalries for sure. Um, my favorite is. It's really tough, but definitely Michigan, Ohio State, always a classic rivalry. You know, Michigan, Michigan State, classic. I'll never forget watching the, the fumbled punt. Michigan State takes it back to the end zone for a touchdown. That was one of the craziest games I've ever watched. Craziest ending. It's up there with the kick six. You know, that was that was that was just a crazy ending. Um, it just shocks everybody. No one saw the punter muffing it, throwing it to a Michigan State play with five seconds left, and him taking it all the way to the house. Like that was that was something else. Uh, other Big Ten rivalries I like is uh, Iowa, Wisconsin, since I am a Big Ten constant. I'm a Big Ten, uh, I'm a Wisconsin Badgers fan, sorry. And uh, I just, I love that rivalry. I love Paul Bunyan's Axe, which is um, Wisconsin, Minnesota. That game always comes, that game decided who goes to the Big Ten championship this year. And um, Wisconsin lost it, so it sent Iowa there. And Iowa just totally got blown out by Michigan, who I don't think was also the best team in the Big Ten. I think Ohio State was still better. And I think if Ohio State played Georgia in the national championship this year, I think Ohio State would have beat them. 
with CJ Stroud, Chris Olave, the high-powered offense, I think it would have beat down. I would have worn down Georgia's defense because Georgia, Georgia is a hard and powerful defense. Reminds me a lot of the Legions of Boom back in 2015. But they wouldn't have been good against that high-powered, fast attack of Ohio State, just throwing deep every play. Like Ohio State dropped 42 points on Michigan State in one half, and Michigan State was a top 10 team for most of the year. They were a great team this year, and I think Ohio State was better than Michigan. I just think. The big house pack, you know, it's snowing in Hutchinson, in Hutchinson's play. I think that's why Michigan won. I don't think Michigan was the better team. I'd actually agree with that. I don't think. And, you know, it's really interesting. I was listening to somebody talk about it, and he was like, the way things currently stand still between Ohio State and Michigan, until Michigan starts recruiting on the level of Ohio State, it will always be an upset and something unexpected every time Michigan beats yeah. Ohio State. <laughs> Ohio State beating Michigan is just handling business. When Michigan beats Ohio State, there's parades in Michigan. It's cr- in Ann Arbor. It's crazy. It's mayhem. But Ohio State beating Michigan, it's not even really a rivalry. I think Ohio State's won 12 of the last 11 games. I mean, 11 of the last 12 games. You know, it's more of an upset than a rivalry now. You know, Ohio State is definitely the highest high-power team in the Big Ten. And Michigan can't rival it. I think the only team that could have beat them this year was, uh, I want to say Penn State, but I also, it's tough. In the Big Ten, there wasn't, there was a lot of good teams, but not a lot of great teams like Ohio State. You know what I mean? Penn State was good. Iowa was good. Wisconsin was good. Minnesota was good. But they weren't great like Ohio State. And Ohio State's great every year. I do see an upset brewing this year with Wisconsin beating Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. If that's the matchup, I don't think Ohio State's front four will be able to take on the big guys from Wisconsin. And uh, Raylan Allen, the freshman running back, the true freshman last year, who was second highest rushing in the Big Ten, and he only played 10 games. He's going to have an outbreak season. I wouldn't call him a Heisman candidate. But I think he may be in New York next year or the year after. He'll he'll be on like the Walker Award Watch. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He won't, he, he'll be in he'll be in New York. I don't think he I don't think a, a a kid from Wisconsin could ever win the Heisman. It's just not a high. It's not a flashy team. It's not gonna get you all the views. You don't think so? I mean, Wisconsin they run the football. Yeah, they do, but they're not they're not like a Johnny Manziel or Marcus Mariota. You know, they're they're punch you in the face football and that that's how they win but that's not how you get a Heisman but that's how you're a great that's how you become a great football player like I believe Brandon Allen will and I think he'll be just like Jonathan Taylor in the NFL he's got a quick cutback he's not the fastest he can run through you though and he can cut back quick just like uh Kenneth Walker that's how the Big Ten runs like high they're not the fastest but they'll run right through you make quick cuts and Why does Wisconsin consistently have good running backs? Because you look at the like they've had Monty Ball. uh, I'm forgetting the one running back. He played for Denver for a bit. I'm I'm forgetting. Uh, Yes, Melvin Gordon. Uh, They they've had uh, Jonathan Taylor. So many running backs come through there and offensive linemen. Like when you think of Wisconsin football, you think of offensive line, physical at the point of the attack. We're going to run the ball, power, and you think of these running backs. Uh, where do you think that comes from? I think it comes from their recruiting. They do recruit a ton of O-linemen. They recruit a lot of good linebackers, too, like uh, Van Ginkle. He plays for Miami. He's one of he's, a, he's not a flashy linebacker, but he'll hit you hard, and he'll make the plays you need. They recruit a lot of great defensive end, defensive linemen, like the Watt brothers came out of Wisconsin. And they're the, probably the best defensive linemen, outside linebackers in the NFL right now. You know, they're just more... They, they recruit kids who may not be the flashiest, but they, they want to hit, and they're big. They're real big, you know. They, they, they want to punch you in the face. They don't want to run around you. They want to run right through you, and that's how Wisconsin recruits. That's their culture down in Madison. Do you think the Big Ten West gets disrespected? I, I don't. I think Wisconsin's the only legit team coming out of there, to be honest with you. I don't see any other team. So you know, you think Iowa's fraudulent? I do. I, I after watching the Citrus Bowl, 
Kentucky really took it. I don't think Kentucky was that good. And Kentucky beat Iowa. I thought Iowa would destroy Kentucky. I, I really do think they're flawed. I, they were ranked four in the, in the AP polls this year. They were ranked as high as two in the country at one point. They, they weren't? Oh, yeah. Before the Penn State game, they were. And that Iowa-Penn State game at the start of the year, two versus four, was probably one of the worst top five matchups I've ever watched in my life. Oh, yeah, that was some bad football. Both teams was, weren't that was, good. It was bad. They weren't, they weren't top five teams. It was terrible football. And it was a boring game, you know? I, I remember watching that game and I was like, Alabama would blow blow both these teams out. <laughs> and, and, and that was the same night that um, Texas A&M beat Alabama. I'll never forget that game. Yeah, that was, the, 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 that was that shocking. That was a crazy game. So... Uh, you're down on the other Big Ten West teams. So you think yeah. it's right when people, because when people talk about the Big Ten, they always go to the Big Ten East. They go to Ohio State. They go to Michigan. They go to Michigan State. They go to Penn State. You think that's right for people to do that? Yeah, I, I think it's just like uh, the SEC, you know? You the think West. the SEC, except for Georgia, the other division in the SEC, I don't remember which it, which one it is. East, the SEC East. Yeah, the SEC East is terrible. Besides Georgia, the West has Ole Miss. They have Alabama. They have Auburn. They have all the big powerhouses. You don't really see any good teams coming out of the SEC East. You know, you have Vanderbilt over there. Uh, I forget what other teams are. Florida is hit or miss. I mean, when Florida's rolling, you know, there's yeah, something. Uh, Kentucky's in so, there. But even Florida, um, I think it was two years ago now, during the COVID season, when Kyle Trask was playing. Alabama really took it to them. Like they, they really asserted their dominance. And Florida was supposed to be the best, best or second best in the SEC, and, and Alabama absolutely dominated them. Like um, Florida, I don't really think there's many other good teams. Kentucky's the in there. Yeah, Kentucky. Kentucky's had a couple good seasons lately. South Carolina. They've never been very good. I think South Carolina could be a very good team with Spencer Rattler this year. If Spencer Rattler's on, he is top five quarterback in college football, and we'll have to see. I guess Missouri was pretty good back in the day. I remember the last time they went on a run was 2014. They lost to Auburn in the SEC championship when Auburn went to the national championship and lost to Florida State. That was their last best year. Tennessee... They, they could be a better team. Uh, they, they really haven't been... Tennessee hasn't been good since the 2000s. They, no, even then, since the they had, 90s. They had that fun with Josh Dobbs for a little bit, but nothing really special. Well, I'm talking about the last time when Tennessee was like a national power. Yeah. All the, all the recruiting goes to the SEC West. You know, top 10 recruiting... I mean, the East has Georgia, but after Georgia, all the recruiting's going to the SEC West. You got Alabama, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. Auburn, they're all top 10 teams in recruiting this year. Texas A&M has the best recruiting class in history. Now, we'll see if Jimbo Fisher can pull off an upset and win the SEC West over Alabama. That's still up for decision. But Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Alabama, all great teams out of the West. Even LSU, they're having an off year. But now with uh, uh, Kelly. uh, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly, I really think they could also have a great year. They've got a lot of recruiting there. You know, the only teams that, that aren't very good from the West are Mississippi State and Arkansas. But even Arkansas this year, they were ranked top 25 for a while, and they still had a good record by the end of the year. Uh, I believe they were 9-4, which is – nine wins isn't bad to end your season. Even Mississippi State was posit- had a positive record. They won their bowl game, I believe. So, I mean, every team from the West is good. You know, every team, every team from the West, I know Alabama's in it, but they could win. They could make the top four. They can make the college football playoffs every year. I really don't see that type of firepower from the East except from Georgia. Let's go back to the Big Ten. If we're ranking the programs in the Big Ten, how would you rank them? I'd have to definitely rank Ohio State first. And it's not, not no discussion, right? Like, Ohio no, State, no, no def. No one, no one. No one's challenging that. They're the top five best team in all college football. I'd say Penn State second over Michigan, just because Michigan really hasn't been good, except for this 
this year, the run with Aiden Hutchinson and Hassan Haskins. I don't even think they'll be top 25 next year. I think they're going to have one of the worst falls in college football history. I think they're going to be like Washington after they made the college football playoffs. Just nowhere to be found. I think you got to give Wisconsin it next. I'm still, I'm, I'll give Michigan State fourth. I'll give Michigan fifth. And I'd say Purdue. Purdue's really could be could have been a great team this year if they just won a couple of those close games they were in. You know, they, they upset Michigan State. They almost upset Ohio State. They were right with Ohio State for a while. A while. I think they also upset Penn, Penn State, I want to say. I don't fully remember. But they upset either Penn State or Iowa. They are a pretty good football team, you know. They can play with you. They've had Drew Brees. They've had a lot of good runs over the years. Next, I have to rate Nebraska, just because of Nebraska's history of continuous national championships and great teams. They're having an off year this year, but I really think they could come back. Their last Big Ten championship appearance was in 2012, and they lost to Wisconsin terribly. I think it was 70-24. to You know, Monte Ball just ran all over them, but... I think they could make a comeback. You know, they have a really good program, good program history there. And you never know, they could make a comeback. Um, I think I'll have to rank Minnesota next. Minnesota, always a mediocre team. They're never great. They could always be good, though. You know, no argument there, I think. I think Minnesota is just one of the most average teams in the Big Ten. I'd say that along with Rutgers. Rutgers wasn't very good this year, but they've had some good years in the past. They have? Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've had some bowl wins. You know, nothing, no New Year's Six Bowls or anything crazy. But they've had some good wins. Um, next, I'd go Indiana. Indiana, Illinois, Rutgers, Northwestern. All in the same category. Even Maryland. You know, they're never bad. They could always they could always make a 8-4 and four season, you know. Nothing crazy. They're not going to a New Year's Six Bowl. They're not going to the Big Ten Championship. But all those teams in the Big Ten could make a good bowl run, you know. Maryland, I think their last bowl was the Pinstripe Bowl, which I went to, which was a great game. Chua's uh, brother uh, threw a great game, and I, I, I can't remember who they played right now for some reason. But, you know, any of these teams can make a bowl run. You know, they're not terrible. They're not terrible. They're not like Vanderbilt in the SEC, who's just – absolutely terrible and doesn't deserve to be called a power five football school every school in the big 10 is a power five school and is still good and if they went to another conference they would dominate that's what i consider a power five school if they went to the sunbelt conference if if walkers went to the sunbelt conference they might lose two games the whole year in the conference play you know that's that's my that's how i determine if they're a power five school or not is if they went to another conference non-power five but fbs would they dominate? Oh, okay. Now, this is interesting. Do you, would you consider it the same way for non-Power 5 schools? I do. Oh, okay. I, oh, okay. Is Cincinnati a Power 5 school? Yes, they are. Cincinnati totally deserved to be in the playoffs. I, in my opinion, I think every team would have got whooped by Alabama. I think if Michigan played them, they would have probably got beat worse. Oh, I thought Cincinnati represented themselves pretty well, actually. Yeah. They played great defense until the end. They, it was, I think it was 14-6 at halftime. That's not a domination. I think Alabama scored like two touchdowns in the last five minutes. But the only thing they couldn't get going was uh, their passing game. Uh, what's Desmond Ryder, you know, he just couldn't throw the ball. And they got lit up at the line of scrimmage, I mean. But that was, was kind of to be expected. Yeah. And Alabama's fraudulent O-line, who was terrible throughout the whole year, Really took it to Cincinnati, but I still think Cincinnati is a Power Five team, and I think if Cincinnati goes to any Power Five conference, they could go to the championship. They're 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 having like a ten win season if they're in a Power Five conference. Oh yeah, P- which I, I think they are going to the uh, Big Twelve. The they're going to the Big Twelve. Going and, to the Big 12 yeah. and to your point, I, I don't think people realize Cincinnati has dudes. Like they have guys who are going to play on Sundays. Desmond Ritter is going to play on Sunday. They have a running back from who transferred from Alabama, Jerome Ford. Uh, the receiver Pierce, like they, they have more than a few guys. That they're two corners. They have a lot of guys who are going to play on Sunday. So Sauce no, Gardner's the best corner in college football, in my opinion. Who is Sauce Gardner? Okay, why do you think that? He had a touchdown off the whole year. I think he played great against 
Jamison Williams during the college football playoff game. Um, I think Cincinnati, when they get to the Big 12, they will be one of the best teams in the Big 12. And I think they'll be back in the college football playoff soon. Not in the next five years, but they will be back. I agree with you. They have a great program there. And the Big 12 may be dying off with Texas leaving in Oklahoma. But neither of those schools are very good anymore. Especially Oklahoma's. I think Oklahoma will be maybe above average just a bit after losing Lincoln Riley and Kale Williams. You know, they they weren't even that. They were kind of fraudulent last year. After, after I think Lincoln Riley halfway through the season just gave up because he knew if he's not in the SEC, he's not going to get what he deserves. And if they lose one game, he's not making. Uh, college football playoffs, and that's all he really cared about. And I think he was also scared of the SEC. I don't think he was a good enough coach. So when Oklahoma said they were moving the SEC, he was he had one foot out the door throughout the whole season. And I think it was just terrible for the kids that put their heart into the whole season for Oklahoma just for it to be ruined by their coach leaving. How close is the Big Ten to the SEC in football? I think they're the closest conference to the SEC, but I don't even think any team can touch the SEC, to be honest. Only team in the Big Ten that could really touch the SEC is uh, Ohio State. Ohio State's a 10-1 team in the SEC, easily. Yeah, oh yeah. I, the only team I don't think... I think they could really beat any team. Alabama, they have trouble with. Georgia, they've had trouble with. I think I think this year they probably would have trouble with Texas A&M. But I don't really see any other team competing with the SEC or any other conference competing with the SEC as much as the Big Big Ten would. The Pac-12 are they? They barely have any college football playoff teams. Oh, they're a joke. The Pac-12 is a joke. They have sent Oregon maybe a couple times, but Oregon didn't do anything in those games. ACC can compete with Clemson when Clemson's on this game. Dabo Sweeney has a good quarterback, which I think they will be back this year. They can compete with the SEC, but none of the other teams even come close in the ACC. I don't even I think Wake Forest was the highest. Pitt and Wake Forest would be a joke in the SEC. Kenny Pickett was a great quarterback, but the team around him wasn't very good. And Wake Forest played no competition the whole year. They, they were like 9-0. and They had the best offense. and They just got absolutely destroyed in the last part of the year and in their bowl game. Um, what other conferences are? The Big 12, They may a couple teams may be able to compete with the SEC, but I don't even see that happening. Uh, I could see Oklahoma competing with the SEC. But, uh, let me think. The last time Oklahoma played Alabama, or uh, com- they played LSU in the college football playoff, and Joe Burrow put up 42 points on them before halftime. Which is, just, it's crazy how good the SEC is compared to every other team. Baylor this year may be able to put up a fight for some SEC teams. They beat Ole Miss, but Matt Corral got hurt in the first quarter, so... You, you don't really know what would have happened during that game, the Sugar Bowl game, if uh, Matt Corral's playing the whole time. Um, I think those are the only teams that could really compete with the SEC. Oklahoma State, maybe, but even them. They beat Notre Dame. Their only good win was really Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is fraudulent themselves, you know. Every year, they're over overrated, overranked. And when it's time to play a good team, like they played Cincinnati this year, they get ran out of the water. They're just not a very good team. Every year they're overhyped because they're like kind of like the Cowboys of college football. Everyone wants to love Notre Dame, but they're really not that good. That's all fair. Why has Ohio State been able to widen the gap between everybody else in the Big Ten, in your opinion? Um, recruiting? You know, I'd, I'd like to say coaching, but Urban Meyer left and they picked up right where they left off. They're a great team. They have great recruiting. Um, and every year they continue. It's it's tough because they play the same type of offense the SEC plays. They don't play like a normal Big Ten team. Most Big Ten teams can't throw the ball, and continuously Ohio State has great quarterbacks: JT Barrett, CJ CJ Stroud, Dwayne Haskins. They can throw the ball. I can't remember the last time a good team from the Big Ten uh, had a great quarterback like Ohio State does. Um, every year Ohio State has a good quarterback, and that's why I think they can compete with the SEC. I don't see Michigan competing with them this year. They have JT McCarthy, 
but he didn't play. He didn't really play. He's a true freshman. Um, their quarterback this year was a joke. He's the reason they lost to, to uh, Georgia in the big in the college football playoff. Just because you need good quarterback play to win a game like that. And if your quarterback's not really a leader and can't make throws when you need him, you're going to get right out of the water by a good team. Um, I don't really see any good quarterbacks coming out of the Big Ten. To be completely honest with you, the last quarterback that I saw from, from the Big Ten that wasn't Ohio State was maybe Connor Cook from Michigan State. Michigan hasn't really had any. Iowa hasn't had any. Penn State, maybe with Trace McSorley. He was pretty good. He was a pretty good quarterback, but even even then, he, he wasn't great. Like they just they don't have good quarterback play in the Big Ten for some reason. They can't recruit good quarterbacks. JD, I want to thank you for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate it. Wait, what did you say? I said I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, oh yeah. of, of course, yeah. Uh, I'd, like, I'd be happy to be on again. Okay, and I think JD did a phenomenal job. Uh, I enjoyed having him on the podcast, actually. Uh, enjoyed his takes on uh, college basketball, uh, college football, too. So definitely going to have him on again. I was pleasantly surprised about what JD had to say, so... Shout out to you, J.D. Props to J.D. for coming on the pod. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 407th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Georgia.